What's up, guys? Welcome to Ted Jones World. Today, we have a very special episode, special edition of the episode. We have Nama Amir on the podcast. Nama, uh-huh. thank you so much for coming on the pod. Former thank Israeli so Defense much. Force member. Um, and how long were you actually in the IDF for? Okay, so I was um, two years. Yeah, and that's how long you have to serve being um, Yeah, that's the mandatory period for women serving. Uh, back in my days, it was three years for, for guys and for girls, two years. So I did full two years. Uh, I was not a combat soldier, but still. How do you determine your position in the army? Okay, so you take like some bunch of tests, like physical tests and mental tests and a lot of conversation with uh, formal people that just decide, I mean, your status. Theoretically, if um, you do really well on the math portion of the test, they'd want you to be in some sort of uh, field where yeah, you're like measuring things. Yeah, yeah, maybe like cyber. Yeah, if you're good, like with, with math, with computers and, and stuff like that. So you'll go to cyber for, for example, yeah. But would there be a situation where somebody enters the army and they know which position they want to be in or is it just decided by the government? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, people know before where they want to go, most of the people. And we also get a chance like to, to grade the positions like we get like this list of places we can go to where most appropriate and have like the most skills like to which go one's there. your first choice second choice and then third choice kind yeah of like that. exactly i mean we rate them and they don't really like consider that much like oh right well they yeah, just put they you just where put they, you where they need you yeah it's like it's a matter of need so like yeah and it, this is as soon as you turn 18 you're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, we do all do these things years. even before. We do it during our high school. We're doing all these tests. Placement tests. Yeah, maybe. exactly. That thing. You go through that when you're even like 16, 17. So what was your experience like growing up in Israel? You were born there? Yeah, I was born in Israel. I grew up there most of my life. I mean, I've been like one year abroad in Canada when I was like a baby. So it doesn't really consider. That's so random. Yeah. It's sort of like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I've been there for like a year and a half. That's how I got my English. Not from my tub, from uh, Canada. We have this commercial in Israel. Never mind. What? Delhi that. Wait, that Wait, was that like an Israel, Israeli saying? Like yeah. when you're in the tub, you speak Yeah, English. we have like this, we have this commercial for, um, I think it's Jerusalem Post. That it says how I got my English from the tub. Because she sits in the tub and learns English while she's reading the Jerusalem Post. So like, Oh, right. Never mind an Israeli reference. No, that's good. We'll keep that in. That was covered. That was nice. But you, okay, now, yeah. are, you now are in New York for three yeah, months, correct? Exactly. And yeah. when did you come here? And then um, I guess we'll get to, you know, the, the tragedies the on thing. October yeah, 7th. Yeah. I got here uh, at the end of September, like, a little more over a month ago, like so close. And exactly one week after I arrived, everything happened. The Black Sabbath happened. Uh, yeah, so I was here when everything went down. It's like, I, I remember I have here also an Israeli roommate. And, you know, because of the time difference, everything that happened there was during um, our Friday night. Okay, the night between Friday and Saturday between so the between, Shabbat for a lot of people. Yeah, in exactly, exactly. But like when we went to sleep that day, we got this news flash that they were they were bombing um, the southern part of Israel, and it's something that happens a lot. It's like, and we talked about it. Like it's so unrealistic that we're used to it. 
it's like we went to sleep. We were like, okay, they're bombing the southern part of Israel. And they were like, okay, everything's fine. We didn't even realize that something that big was happening. Who was bombing the southern part of Israel, just to be clear? Hamas. They were bombing us. So when you heard this news, it was something that you mentioned wasn't something that was out of the ordinary. Yeah, it was like something that we're used to. Like once in a while, once in a month, once in a few months. It happens. But do you always hear about it when it yeah. happens? It's always yeah. on the we, it, we always hear media. about it. It's always in the media. It's always on the news. We're all aware of it. And we're like, we're used to it. And when you think about it, it's really fucked up. It's like, we're, no one's supposed to live when they're like normal life. It's like, it's a part of some people's routine, like going to shelters. Why? It shouldn't be a part of our reality, of, of anyone's reality. But it is. And... You know, so we went to sleep and like everything was fine. And then I woke up in the morning and there was a war. It was beyond anything I could ever imagine in my whole life. Were there people in your family or friends or anyone that were telling you specifically about what happened? Or did you read about what happened mostly in the news and TikTok and Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I, I woke up and all right. So I have a boyfriend back home and he got called for reserve service. Um, and I just like, I woke up and I saw a bunch of messages from him is like, he, he talked with himself. Cause I saw everything when I woke up, but it's like, oh my God, you don't believe what happened here. I don't know if I'll get called. And like the last text was I'm on my way to the North. I mean, oh gosh. I got cold, but how often would he be called? Does, does he get called a lot? Yeah, or? I mean, not that often when not, they, not once a month when, no, no, happen. no. I mean, it depends on your role. Uh, some do get called a lot, but they people are getting called for reserve service. I mean, on regular days, just for like being trained. They're not being called to to bomb anyone or to shoot anyone. It's just like to keep in shape and like to, to so not everything will get all rusted. Um, but they're not getting called that much. And on October seventh, I mean, literally. Anyone who could be called got called. Everyone, everyone. Did you get a call, or how did that look? Did Israel know you were in no, New York? No, because I'm not um, registered as a reserved um, soldier uh, because of what I did during my, um, I mean, half of my service, my last year. I was um, commander's commander. I was like training new commanders how to be commanders in the Israeli Navy. Um, and that role doesn't you a, you, Yeah, but you had a huge role, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it is a huge role, but apparently not during war times. So I'm not getting cold. Uh, I don't know how to shoot a gun and assemble and disassemble a gun. I mean, um, M16. <laughs> but I'm not being cold. Um, yeah, but anyone that could benefit the state and and Israel during this time was called. I mean, soldiers that were combat, um, those that are sitting like in the, it's called the pit in Tel Aviv, Um, cyber, everyone. And is it for an indefinite amount of time? They weren't calling people and being like, all right, you'll be here for a month, you'll be here two weeks. So it's just like, you're coming and we don't know. I mean, people are there, my friends, my boyfriend, a lot of people that I know, are going are, are out there right now as we speak and they don't know how long they're going to be there. I mean, I see a lot of people like subletting their apartments and, and stuff like that because 
they say, okay, I don't know when I'm coming back home. So like, if someone wants to, to come live in Tel Aviv, I'm subletting my apartment because no one knows. They're there already four weeks. They're getting, I mean, some refreshment times back home, but no one knows when they'll be back. If I know how um, complicated this issue is, but you think if you could simply describe what happened on October 7th and what led up to October 7th, and then I guess since that particular day until now, what's kind of the, the summary of what okay. happened and what's going on? Yeah, okay. It's quite complicated. And I also feel a little bit that I don't really comprehend what happened. I can tell what happened, but like the reason for that is too complex. It's too, it's, it's super long. It's not something specific that happened. It's a lot of things that led up to that specific moment on that day okay so on October 7th it was 6 30 a.m there were bombs being fired from Gaza Strip over to uh, all the all the places that were right near the border and a lot of um, the border of Gaza the, and was, the, West the border Bank. of Gaza and Israel a lot of uh, Hamas people were coming down from the sky with these gliders. Like paragliding. Yeah, yeah, paragliding inside Israel, just like dropping from the sky. They just surprised us so bad. I mean, no one was prepared for that. No one even could imagine. It was a holiday. Besides being Shabbat, it was a holiday. Simchat Torah. It's like, it's the day that we celebrate accepting the Torah from God. That's the day they decided to attack. Um, and they just... They surprised us. They attacked. They literally took down the border. They took the fence down. How long was the border and the fence when you say it's, that? It's super long, but rather than long, it's super tall. So it's like, it's it's huge. They okay. had multiple bulldozers? No, they just took it down. It's like it, at this one point, they took a, a piece of it. Oh, so they went through a part went of it. Through it okay, okay. And just went through it like by foot and some came, that came down from the sky. Some were trying to go through sea, but they were taken down. There were not enough forces out there in the field on our side to to just like to stand against them. But okay. the main attack was in a neighborhood in Israel, or was it at this festival that was yeah, happening? Yeah, it was. It was divided. It began at that festival. It was. Music festival. Yeah, it was a music festival. It was, it's called the Nova Festival. It was just this bunch of young people, and not even young. There were not only young people there. I mean, people our age, but also even older. That just came and wanted to dance and wanted to have fun. We have that a lot in Israel. We really love that. That's that's part of our culture, like dancing and having fun. It's really something that we cherish. We do that a lot. Um, and it was a holiday, so a lot of people just wanted to have fun before it ends. Um, and yeah, no one expected that. Um, so they attacked there. It was this huge amount of people standing together, so their percentage of hitting people was enormous. I mean, people were just running everywhere. I mean, I mean I've heard stories of people that survived there, and... It's terrible. We have these little things called miguniot. It's like little shelters 
that are spread all over that area because it's so close to Gaza. So you go inside when there are alarms of bombing. You have like 15 seconds to go inside so you wouldn't get hurt. Um, so when people ran away, when they heard there are terrorists that went inside Israel, people just ran everywhere. They just threw away their stuff and just ran. Some people were hiding inside bushes, behind trees, on the ground, underneath dead friends' bodies, anywhere, anywhere they could. And a lot of people like went inside these shelters, these little shelters. And I'm talking super small space. Like how many super people small. could fit in one of those? I think that like in regular times, maybe 20 people can stand there and like have air. But a lot of people just squeezed inside and the terrorists just went inside and shot everyone. People that were on the first and on the second row just fell dead and people behind survived because their dead friends' bodies just were on them. They were like, they were hiding beneath dead bodies. And you know what? I mean, a lot of people called the events that occurred on October 7th um, Holocaust, like there was 70, 80 years ago. And it's wild because those people that survived knew to hid under dead people's bodies because we already heard that. We heard that from our grandparents, from their generations, that they did that back then in Germany, in Poland. They were hitting under their dead families' bodies to survive so the Nazi wouldn't get them. So that's how they knew to do it. It's, it's, it's wild, but yeah, it's, like, it, it's definitely like a second Holocaust. Did you have any friends that were at the... Um, at that event, at that concert, or know of anyone? Um, I don't know personally, but I'm that's, sure you must yeah. have known someone who knew someone. Exactly. I mean, I I knew some people. It's like one of the people that got murdered was someone that I met in the army. Like I remember him. I sat with him. I I, I talked with him a bunch of time. He's a friend of good friends of mine. Uh, he's an ex of a friend of mine. You know, it's like. That's the thing about Israel, even though I don't know anyone personally and they're not like relatives of mine or something like that. Israel is so small. Everyone knows everyone. Size of New Jersey. For yeah. Those yeah. It's like ju yeah. just for reference, it's super small. It takes eight hours and I'm exaggerating to get from the northern part to the southern part. And that's with traffic. OK, so it's super small. Um so yeah, so even though I don't know them personally that good, I feel I feel like it's also my friends, my family, everyone and like everyone knows someone that got murdered or kidnapped. Who was responsible for this particular attack? Just explain to everyone. Okay. So of course the main organization that is responsible for everything is Hamas because they are the one that started everything. They attacked us. On October 7th? Yeah. They attacked us on the morning of October 7th. And now I know that a lot of people say that it's because they're oppressed and that's because they want to get released from our government and our and the, the apartheid of Israel and everything like that. Okay, so 
that's not true. I'm not the biggest expert <laughs> on that subject. Um, but Israel is not in control of Gaza, not in the full meaning of that saying. Okay, so I'll go a bit uh, through the history of, of, of the place. Um, I did double check some stuff, but I'm not going to go through every little detail. It's super long. The Oslo agreements that were supposed to make peace, we were going to make peace agreements with the Palestinian Authority. So the Oslo agreements, they were a preparation for that. There were a lot of people opposing to that agreement that didn't want to that. A lot of Israelis and Palestinians are mm-hmm. mostly... From both sides. Okay. From both sides. People were opposing to that. And what did that agreement kind of say, if you're familiar with it? It was, it was just like this first step, step towards peace agreements between Israel and the Palestinian Authority. The second intifada occurred, which is um, a spree of terror attacks from their side. They were suicide bombers and a lot of rockets they were, that were shot towards Israel. And that's when we as a country decided to build the separation border, which is like the big... Uh, cement wall that is between us and them and we were still in control over the Gaza Strip back then back during those years I mean they had their government they had their authority but we still were in over control we were like supervising everything that was going through there and we also had our own villages yeah but like not tents and stuff like buildings. Um, so we also had like Jewish Israeli villages inside Gaza Strip. Um, and how long the, were how long were those there for though? A long time. A like really, before really long time. the Oslo Agreement that you were talking about. Yeah, even before the Oslo Agreement, they were there after um, the Six Day War. We had like Israeli. People, Jewish people that were living inside Gaza Strip for a long time. And then um, you had told me that people who lived in the Gaza Strip would go to Israel like for work. This was Yeah, but this is the Palestinian, no? not the Israeli ones. Yeah. Um, so on so as I said, on two thousand, um, we built the border between us and them. We still had our villages inside. And on the year uh, two thousand and five there was something that called the separation, which was a plan that our prime minister back then, Ariel Sharon, suggested that meant we're going to leave the Gaza Strip. We're going to take our men outside. We're going to take the army outside. We're going to evacuate all the Jews and the Israeli people that live there. We're going to rip them from their homes and give you Gaza Strip and you manage it. Okay, you'll do whatever you want there, and we're going to go out, leave you to it, and do with it whatever you want. So the Israeli government was there initially, and then they said to the Palestinians, okay, yeah. you take control over yeah. Gaza. We liberated you do, them. You do whatever you like with the government. Exactly. And then this is probably where you're getting to Hamas when they took over, exactly. right? Exactly, okay. exactly. So the year is 2005. Um, the controlling... Um, organization that was in the role there is called Fatah. Um, 
And I think it was two years after that, that um, or even less, one year in 2006, uh, Hamas was elected somehow democratically. Was there some suspicion over how they came to power? You know, are, are, they, um, are people saying now that Hamas came to be the power of Gaza maybe in an unfair manner? Is that, yeah, is that fair I'll to say? Yeah, I'll tell you what. The population there, it's not like that the people there live in a country that we know. Like It's not like where you and I live. It's not Israel. It's not the United States. It's not France. It's not Britain. It's not... It's different. So... It was easy for them to take control over the government. To manipulate. Yeah, exactly, to manipulate. So, like, they were elected, so-called elected democratically, but not that much. Um, and, yeah, so they took control. They had their fight with Fatah. They killed a bunch of people. Fatah is also, like, it's not a terror organization as Hamas, but they're the most more reasonable voice of people in the Palestinian um, territory. And they were running the Palestinian territory before Hamas came in? Yeah, exactly. And Hamas, I mean, Hamas was there, but it just took over control in 2007 and just grew their power and strength and overall, like, power. Was there any sign, then? like, that other nations maybe put in their two cents and they were like look Hamas is not good it's going to become a terrorist organization was this seen from the future that something like this would happen was this war imminent I feel like I mean yes it it, it would have happened this way or another I think that they caught us they definitely caught us with our pants down there's no doubt about it we were not prepared for that Maybe on a different day, on a, I don't know, something bad happened there. And that's something that our government needs to resolve when everything is going to be solved. Our government needs to handle that and to see who messed up. But it, they would have tried to hit us no matter when. They would have done that. I'm repeating that. They started everything that's going on now. Hamas started it. They started doing that. So it would have happened either way. Um, what's their what's their explanation? Okay, so yeah, so they're saying that they want to get freed, they want rights, they want. But who's saying they, this? They, Hamas is saying this, or the people of Hamas Gaza? is saying that? And there are a lot of people in Gaza that do support Hamas. I mean, there are two over two million people there, so there are people that support Hamas, and actually. They don't really have a right not to support Hamas. Everyone that doesn't support Hamas in Gaza is being silenced off. I mean, they're getting like slaughtered. They're getting shut down well, each could, way. Can an argument be made that it's also their government? You know, like yeah. what, are they, what are they supposed to do? Not listen to their government? Is that something that they I could say? I feel like, okay, so it's different in like 180 degrees, okay, but... During the last year in Israel, many people of our state don't agree with the opinions of our current government. 
and what we did as a democratic civilization yeah, society. It, it also seems like before October 7th, I had been seeing that a lot on um, you yeah. know, the places where I watch news, Instagram, TikTok, you know, but like my feed would be covered with protests from people who are probably around the same age as us. Yeah, but, but that's 30s. the word, protest. We just protested. We didn't like went and tried to kill people that don't agree with us or try to take off our prime minister by well, but that was only but that yeah. was only within israel though exactly but i'm giving that as an example to that's what you can do against the government if you don't agree with it with that being said hamas is not a real democratic government that's what i'm saying they're a terror organization they won't accept someone that's speaking against them inside their own people they're not accepting people that's trying to undermine them everyone that says something inside gaza strip against hamas is being killed was there a glaring first instance of this when that happened where people were like whoa hamas just took over this area and it seems like they're doing terroristic sort of things? Was there like a, a first moment or was it kind of like a buildup? I don't know, because as I, as I said, a lot of people don't speak against them and a lot of people there do support them and do believe in, in what they're doing and hate us and want us gone. Um, Why do you think that is? I don't know. <laughs> Jews for... Yeah. A good amount of history have been kind of kicked out of each country that they've been in. That's know? right. We're being kicked off everywhere and we have nowhere else to go. I mean, we only have literally one country that's ours. And it's not only ours. I, I, I did a quote thing because it's not just Jews in Israel. We have Muslims. We have Christians. We have refugees. I mean, the country is open for a lot of people. But yeah, it's a Jew-Israeli place and it's the only place we have we saw what happened 80 years ago over the world we were kicked out of everywhere it doesn't matter if it's eastern european countries or 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 north african countries we were kicked off everywhere um the muslim people have a bunch of countries all over the world and they're still not happy there they're going everywhere. They're coming to Britain, to France, to Italy, to the States. They're, they're also going everywhere else because they're not happy with their governments. But we don't have anywhere else to go as opposed to them. And even so, with that being said, now no one wants to take the Palestinians. There are innocent people there and no one wants to take them because they know that Hamas people will come with them. How are your family and friends reacting to this in Israel? What, is, what does it look like in Israel? Are there um, bomb sirens going off every 30 minutes? What, is, what does yeah, it look like okay, living so, in Israel? So the state now is super tense. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of alarms going off um, a lot during the day, different parts of the, of the country. I mean, just a week ago, Exactly a week ago, a bomb landed in my hometown and it was wild. I mean, the second that I got the news flash, I just, I called my mother and they FaceTimed me, her and my brother. And I saw the bomb in live. I saw the fire. I saw everything. It was like, it was a part of a movie. It was like, 
100 meters. I don't know how much is in yard or foot or. That's 300 feet. You and yeah. I were talking about how it's, it's so annoying that America does Yeah, so it was like 300 meters. feet from Telegrams. my high school. And that that was why I saw it live in FaceTime. I recorded it. Uh, I'll show you later. Um, like, can you can you send it to us? I'll pop it up right here. Yeah, I'll send it. Okay. I'll send it. I'll yeah. send it live. And it's wild because Israel is so small that my hometown is not close to Gaza. Okay, it's not close, but it's not close in Israel terms. How, how many kilometers away? Okay, I don't know. I'm bad at it. I can tell how, you. How long does it take? Yeah, to drive I'll there? tell you. But by driving, it takes from my hometown to the Gaza Strip maximum a hour hour and a half okay, something so like that probably like 60 miles we'll say okay for you miles, americans i really don't know i don't yeah. know if, i don't know in kilometers so definitely <laughs> not in miles oh my god but it's close okay it's quite close but not that close i mean it's it's considered like a safe space in israel but they got there they're getting everywhere they get everywhere when was the iron dome okay so the and iron you, dome and if you it, could talk about it's, that a little. it's a solution but it's not a hermetic one, okay? So, yeah, they fire so many rockets that it can't um, take down and it, I mean, each and every one of them. It, it happens that some of them do fall. Uh, most of the falls are in open spaces and... They don't. You mean the rockets? That yeah, the Hamas rockets. Send yeah, over. the rockets. That I think I read that ninety percent of the rockets that are fired from Gaza into Israel are hit by other rockets that are part of the Iron Dome. Yeah, exactly. Most of them like are being are being um, shot down. Yeah, shot down. Um, some don't get shot down, and yeah, that's the problem. Also about the Iron Dome. Um, I want to say something like in general about the fact that. People think that we're attacking and actually Israel is defending herself and itself as a country. Um, we got attacked. We're getting attacked a lot. I told you in the beginning, it's some people, some Israelis, normal state being shot at, being fired at by rockets. It's their routine. So we're used to it, and during the years, we developed ways to protect ourselves. One of them is the Iron Dome, which is an amazing tool, and I really feel that without it, many days could have been like October 7th. Many days could have been like that. Um, and it's good for us, but it's not an, her an hermetic solution, as I told you, and still rockets are being fired. It's, it's a way to protect ourselves, not to solve the problem. And solving the problem is eliminating Hamas from the Gaza Strip. All right, everyone keeps saying free Palestine and all that. Okay, I agree. It's need to be freed, but from Hamas, not from Israel. We don't control them. They have their own government, but their own government hurts them. I mean, so many people there are getting hurt by our attacks which is true. People do get hurt and killed there also. But why? Have you ever thought about it? Why do we have Iron Dome? Why do we have shelters? And they don't. They have so much money. They get so much funds. They're head of governments worth billions of dollars. Oh my God, they're super rich. Where does all this money come from? And where does it go to? Why do they, why they don't build shelters for their own civilians? 
why they don't build a way to protect their civilians. Even worse than that, they're using their civilians as a, some sort of like shield to hide behind them. They're hiding their, their fuel supply and army and, and, and rockets underneath um, civilians' buildings underneath hospitals and a few days ago we did hit a, an ambulance and Hamas terrorists were killed but that's only because we had the intelligence that they're inside they know we won't bomb civilians places but the fact is we know that there are places that it's Hamas quarters so we are bombing them and then civilians do get hurt why it's not because we're heartless we're telling them We're giving them 24 hours notice ahead. Listen, we're going to bomb this place. Evacuate now. But their own government doesn't let them evacuate. We, we, we cut off the water supplies. That's right. But we restored it in the southern part of the strip. And Hamas doesn't let their own people go there. They don't want them to evacuate their houses in the northern part of Gaza Strip. Because they don't want the civilians to go and their shelter will be gone. It's like Hamas is protecting himself behind civilians because they know we won't hurt them as bad. We can go as a country over the sky, bomb that place and flatten everything. We can do that super easily. We have the power to do it. Yet we're not doing it. We're walking inside. Our soldiers are walking inside with tanks and with armed vehicles, everything they can by foot. They're going inside Gaza Strip because we don't want to hurt as much civilians as they think that we are hurting. We want to minimize the impact on civilians' life there. We are trying our best. So for the people who are calling for a ceasefire... Why is that something that is not as easy said than done? I feel that seizing fire now is just, it's, it's, it's not even something that can be on the table. Because first of all, we have nearly 300 people that are kidnapped there. A lot of them are not necessarily Jews or Israelis. There are a lot of like... Um, employees and different people that even were on vacation in Israel and got kidnapped, like the, the American civilians that were kidnapped. They were on visit here in Israel. Um, so I feel that until each and every one of them is back home safe with their family and friends, there's nothing to talk about seizing fire. Okay, that's first of all. After that being said, I feel that after what they've did, on October 7th, I really want to see Hamas being eliminated and really to see the people of Gaza being freed for them, from them. That organization just hurts everyone. They hurt us. They hurt their own people. As I said, I mean, they don't give them the funds that they receive. I mean, all the people that are donating to Gaza and to the Palestinian so little money from that, such a little amount goes to the civilians. Is there an opinion that you've heard from maybe people who are in Gaza that you agree with that maybe you didn't think initially that you'd agree with, but now you kind of see uh, eye to eye with them? Or have you spoken with anyone who you agree with 
on this issue who maybe was from Gaza? Okay, so no, I didn't get a chance to talk with anyone from Gaza. And as I said, people that are speaking against Hamas or that are pro-Israelis that live there are being muted off. So you don't get to hear them a lot. And even if they speak, they speak um, under like different name. They can't get away with it. I mean, Hamas just don't expect, don't accept people that speak against them. So I don't really hear people um, that feel like us um, over there. I mean, but come on, it's over 2 million people. I sh- I'm sure that not all of them hate us. I'm sure there are people there that feel like us, that feel that Hamas needs to get eliminated. And also, I believe that even the people that hate us hate Hamas over there. Because Hamas, as I said, is bad for them also. Okay, so maybe they do hate us, but they also hate Hamas. Why are people so invested in this conflict all of a sudden? Why are people ripping down kidnap posters? Why are we seeing this become a trendy topic? Okay, so... And I mean trendy pretty lightly. I don't know if that was the right word, but I mean like where everyone's involved and you'd be like, oh, I didn't know that person supported what? And then if it's like, sometimes if I see people who are you know, repping the Palestine flag, saying free Palestine, you know, Israel's this, Israel's that. I'm like, all right, well, you know what Hamas supports, right? The death of the Jewish state. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I myself being a Jew, I, I feel some type of way about it. I'm not Israeli, but I mean, I've been to Israel twice in my life, but I just feel like, dude, like that just, it seems like some sort of hurtful feelings that you're putting towards me. You know? Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of people that support that now don't know what they're supporting. Um, but that's why, that's yeah, a big but, issue. But why and all of a sudden? Yeah, why I this feel, issue? I feel that it happens a lot, okay? It happens a lot. And I feel that's a problem that happens because this conflict doesn't happen between two states, okay? It's not like Israel government opposing to the Palestinian government as a country, okay? Gaza is not a country. They're, they're liberated in some sort of way, but they're still part of, of Israel. And we still look out on them and like we're, we have a border with them, which is closed. We, it, it, it's open for certain people. Um, the thing is, is, it's state, a country, against an organization against population it's not country versus country like when we had a war with uh, lebanon it was a country versus a country so i don't think the world was like super shocked about it because countries fight one another it happens i mean it happens but when it's a country versus this population just population, like organization, you may say. People feel it's someone with power. Yeah, Yeah, someone with power and someone without power. But the truth is, it's not true. We gave them a chance to become a country. They didn't want it. They didn't choose it. Now, did this happen multiple times, though? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, a lot of... I mean, many times... um, the uh, the option to to have two countries to have like two um, nations inside one country inside Israel 
was suggested and we wanted to take it as, as a country many times during history and the Palestinians didn't want it. They were like, it's either all or nothing and they chose nothing. And even when we step out of the Gaza Strip, they didn't choose to become a country. I mean, instead of building themselves and like building shelters and building a, a working economy and like, I don't know, just things that a country does, instead of doing that, they just took all their power and time and money and supplies and just invested in hurting us. They think that's what set them will set them free but they're not going to i mean okay let's say that we'll give up we'll go somewhere else in the world okay we'll evacuate israel jews yeah everyone that lives there now they're not going to be satisfied by it believe you me they're not they're not going to stop there they're going to take control little by little on other parts it's like they think that's what they want It's like they're so, they're chasing like this something bigger without realizing that if they'll stop that, like try to make something better from, from what they have and really build a country and try just like live their life, everything can be better. But they just don't want it. They don't want it. They want everything. But we don't have anywhere else to go is the world so kind of uneducated on this topic because it's so complicated do you yeah, think I, i really think that because you it's know because so you complex. can kind of don't mean to um interrupt but it's like yeah. you could think about the russia versus <clears throat> ukraine war and you can look at it in a sense like oh putin's the big czar of the country and he's taking over this little country like that's how you can see it you know visually yeah. and that kind of i guess makes sense for the outside viewer but when you talk about Uh, this conflict, it's just very different. Yeah, it's like that. I mean, think about it. Like, as you said, like Russia and Ukraine. But I feel like Israel as a country is being super um, looked and like tested with every move that we are making because we're fighting not another country. But just like... Try to imagine that someone would have fired missiles over here, over Manhattan. It wouldn't have been missiles in, in plural. I believe that after the first one, you would have taken down whoever would have done that. Yeah. Okay. And no one would have said anything. I mean, in the past, it's happened many times. If you think about just us even bombing Iraq over uh -huh. uh, somebody who was potentially staying in Iraq, you know, like you see? everybody was the most proudly American that they've ever been. People putting American flags on their house and their yeah. cars. And we went to war over something that was speculative, you know? Exactly. So you see, and even, okay, so something not speculative, Pearl Harbor. So the state's worst was critiqued about that. But still, I don't feel like It's the same effect or the same amount that us as a country that Israel... Think, do you do think that. also that um, maybe other countries around the world see Israel differently because of the United States backing them? Is that, is that something that sticks out? I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you mean it like in a positive way? 
maybe in a negative way. In a negative oh, way. Like this, this small country has all these great weapons and all these great tech advances. And <clears throat> America, who is the best military in the world, is also backing them. Maybe they're just jealous. I really don't know. I don't know. It's like, I feel that no matter what we'll do as a country, we're always getting critiqued and we're always the bad guy somehow. And that's really hard because Israel don't attack. We're defending ourselves. It's even in the title of our army. It's Israel Defense Force. Oh my gosh. It's in the title. We're here to defend ourselves. That's the point. That's the end line. Deal with it. We're here to defend ourselves. And I'll say it again. We didn't start everything. They started it. They shot at us. They, ca they came inside our country by foot with weapons and knives and with their cars and trucks and just slaughtered people. It wasn't the military who they slaughtered, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was also, it was soldiers, it was young people, old people, babies, and even Arab people. I mean, I heard this story of they drove on our roads with their trucks and shot just people in cars. And they drove by this one car, and in this car, there was a couple, a man and his wife. And the man was really dark-skinned. I mean, you couldn't mistake him for being an Arab Israeli. And his wife was with this full traditional hijab. You couldn't have mistaken her for being Jew. She was Arab. She was Muslim. But they lived in Israel. And the Hamas terrorists just killed them on the spot. They don't care who they kill. They just came that day to kill people. At that party, in their houses... They just took them from their beds, either kill them or kidnap them. What, under what circumstance would they release these hostages? If you know. Um, like so, yeah, so, so two hostages were uh, released because but of American, their, right? Yeah, there were two elder women that were released. Um, actually, I don't know the, the, um, the reason for that. I think it was just so they could look like more like humans that's what they're trying to do like to get the the world support would israel cost. would israel agree to a ceasefire if all the <clears throat> hostages were let go i don't know i bet that it's something that would be considered i can tell you that the people of israel wouldn't support that because i feel that all i just of, think it's gonna happen again. yeah no even if it will happen and everyone really wishes for it and praying for that. But I feel that as a country, people of Israel just feel so betrayed and afraid. And I don't think that we'll agree to live again under like this ceasefire settlement. We want to get rid of Hamas. Yeah, and the we want to deal the problem from the root. What are some of your friends who live in Israel, maybe live in other parts of the world, what do they say is the solution? Although we've been trying to figure yeah. out the solution for, you know, 75 yeah. years. I, I What's something really, that really maybe would be simple to, to for them to say? It. So many different people have different solutions. 
What's obviously. A good, what's a good one you've heard? Honestly, I don't think I've heard a good solution. I really don't feel like there's a good solution. I feel that maybe the best solution will be, as I said, eliminating Hamas. How long does that take? I really don't know. I really don't know because so I say feel that like around 40,000 members or so. Yeah, they're 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 a big group. They are a big group. But I feel that once we'll eliminate them, I hope that like a more reasonable government will take their place. I hope so. And maybe f- for once in their history, they'll become a released country. They'll have their own government and there'll be real country and then once it will be country versus another country then we'll have someone to talk to then we'll be equal then we can talk and do like maybe peace agreements or or even if it will be war it will be fair war even from their side because they're not playing by the rules of war okay what they're doing is not i mean even war has rules And they're not playing by it. Maybe the best solution, if you can call it best, I don't know. And it's with my very little knowledge of the situation. Yeah, just your opinion. Yeah, in my opinion, is that they'll have their own government. There'll be a country and will be some sort of equal. And then we'll have someone to talk to. And then maybe like in the next war or operation or whatever will come. We can defend ourselves without being judged as much as we are now because we'll fight another country, even though now we're fighting something way worse than a country. We're fighting a terror organization. And basically, we're doing something that no one else wants to do and no one else will do. And we're doing um, pretty much the world's dirty job. Yeah, we're doing it and we're losing our best sons and daughters i mean just today another four soldiers died when going inside gaza strip and as i said we're going inside just to save civilians on their side we can bomb from the air we can do that but we're not doing that to help them survive have you heard stories about what gaza kind of looks like right now from soldiers like the death toll or just the building <clears throat> demolition what does it really look like yeah G- gaza looks bad yeah they fabricate photos but buildings do get torn down there and everything looks bad and like people there between like one operation and war between one and to another takes them like two whole years to get their life together and it's all because of hamas because hamas don't help them protect themselves, the civilians. Each time an operation occurs, a war breaks out, something like that. Yeah, Gaza get destroyed. It doesn't happen as much in, in Israel because we defend ourselves. We have the Iron Dome and we have our army, but they don't have it. Again, it's their own fault. It's the Hamas fault, not our fault. I mean, we can't give them a way to defend themselves much more than we do. We, we give them supply, we give them money, we give them a 24-hour heads before we attack, we tell heads them. Up, yeah. Yeah, so come on, I mean, do you see, do, our best. do you see other countries getting involved in this war and the war escalating <clears throat> and getting worse? Oh my God, I really hope not. I mean, <laughs> I really hope not. 
I mean, our, our worst fear is that um, another countries will get involved, like Lebanon, Iran. We know that Russia support them. We really hope that doesn't happen. We have Biden support, which really hope I hope that gives everyone good scares of getting involved in that. Um, if that will happen, it can escalate, but we're strong. We're strong. We've did this. We've did this before. What is your family saying right now? Like talking to you? Are you speaking with them every day? They're kind of giving yeah. you um bits and pieces of what they're seeing are they in a peaceful spot if that even exists at the moment what are they saying how are their spirits yeah okay so everyone's super bummed out super depressed super nervous like are things still going on in israel like are sporting events happening are uh concerts going on or what does it look no. like no nothing really is the same i mean it's been four weeks so just in the past few days Things starting to go back to normal so as much as is it comparable can. to the pandemic and that things are shut down or not? Oh my god! So yeah, it's funny because a friend of mine. I mean, I'm not back home since it's begun, so I don't know how it is. And like, I keep telling my friends and family that I want to be there and I want to help them and be there and support everyone and and seeing my friends and family. And they all tell me, "No, stay in New York. You're better off there." Things are bad here. And a friend of mine told me that it's not like the pandemic that everything was closed and we didn't have school and things. And yeah, but, but it was like peaceful. During the but pandemic. yeah, it was fun. We, we just <laughs> we, we had to be in our houses. So we snuck into each other's houses and drank and have fun and parties and, and that like beneath the police nose. But it's not the same because now everyone's depressed. Everything's closed off. But no one even wants to get out of the house. Like, and and my mother told me like that now everywhere you go, the first thing you look for is somewhere to hide. It's like okay, if something happens, where do I run to? Where do I hide? It's like it's not supposed to happen. It's people don't supposed to go to to a restaurant, to their workplace, to their school, and to think okay, what's the best way? that I can escape. What What if a terrorist comes inside with a gun? Where do I hide? It's just something you don't think about when you're not in the midst of war. You know, like I remember when I used to work in an office, like every year, this fire lieutenant would come in and be like, every yeah. time I go into a place, I look for the nearest pull alarm. <laughs> you know, like nobody thinks about that unless you're a guy who works at the fire department or yeah. you're in the midst of a situation where there's a fire. And it's weird. All right. As Israel, we're like... PTSD country okay all of the country has it in one way or another first of all because all of us served the army most of us served the army well what do you mean and most is it with people who maybe had a disability yeah or, yeah yeah okay. there are people that who don't serve be from, exempt yeah exactly okay um and also like people that are not combat soldiers which their trauma is 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 different everyone in israel is traumatized by something in a way it's like something collective that we have as a country even i i mean being here experienced this war from afar i feel traumatized so badly and i i, I haven't even been there I, 
I know what's what's hiding from missiles and and hearing the alarms and everything. I know how it feels like, so I can imagine that. But I didn't experience it in this round. But I still feel it. I still feel it. It's in my DNA as an Israeli. I feel it inside. So, as, as Israelis, we do have it. Like when you go to a restaurant and then you think of sitting with your eyes to the entrance to see who's coming inside. I mean, it's something we have. We had like suicide bombers. All right. So in restaurants, on buses, everyone's super suspicious and super anxious, like on regular times. So during war times, it's just getting worse. Exaggerated, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like we, in some way, we're used to it. We know how to deal with it. We know how to deal with, with the trauma that occurs to us, to us every time. What was the first moment you remember as like a child or a teenager where you were like, what, there's danger around? Like, what, what was I, was, I was on my first grade. I was six, seven years old. And we had this threat of um, biological bomb, I think it was. So we had these um, gas masks that we used to carry around everywhere. I used to go to school with a gas mask and we had like, like this in your backpack. It was super big. It was, it didn't fit in my backpack. I had my backpack and this box of gas. And you bring that every day to school. And I brought that with me every day and we had practicing. Um, we had been practicing on putting it on in, uh, in, in a specific time. Cause you had to do it fast and everyone, um, if they had home shelters, sealed their windows. We were preparing for the worst, and I was six years old. Yeah, and I remember that. I remember that super clearly. That was the first time. <laughs> Has this event been the most dramatic in your lifetime? In between what happened yeah, now? Yes, between Israel and Gaza. Oh my God! Yes, definitely yes. Because I feel that their actions this time is the most in, inhumane things that happened, I feel, in, in forever, literally since the Holocaust, literally since the Holocaust. And you can see it like in their, they recorded their actions. They, they took pictures, they took videos. It's not things that we fabricated. It's things that they filmed and they released it over the media. You can see what they did through their eyes and it's it's bad they recorded the kidnappees uh, in their own houses they recorded beheading people um they recorded parading all over town with bodies of kidnapped girl and they showed off a girl that was being raped she has my we share the same name so yeah it was really <clears throat> it's weird um and you and you can just see it all i mean it's stuff that they showed off so i really feel that it's the worst state that we've ever been with them the things that they did now is I mean, it, it really can't be compared to anything else. And we had bad times with them. We dealt with 
bad things, but the things that occurred now, it can be compared. We have um, people that evacuate the bodies and it's grown men's, okay? It's grown men's. And I saw um, many interviews with them and boy, do they break down. They cry. Think, I mean, they just carry these little bags of, of babies and of sometimes it's just like parts of a body because they, I mean, after they kill them, they torture them and they cut off the bodies and they, they, just, they just, they did horrible things with bodies. And, and, and I feel like I'm talking about it and I'm seeing that you're getting emotional about it, which is, which is good. But you see, I, I can't even cry. It's like I feel so detached from it because it's so hard. And I cried so hard. I mean, I'm super depressed about it. I'm super, I feel this feel of hopelessness that I never felt before seeing all these things. And I feel that I became a little bit numb because if I won't be, if any of us won't be a little numb as Israelis, I mean, the world shouldn't be numb about it at all. But if we won't get numb about it, we wouldn't be able to win. Think about it. There are, there are many soldiers now that lost their friends that went to their funeral and one day later they walked into Gaza Strip to fight. So they have to do this switch like this instant, this fast because if they won't do it, they can't fight, they can't defend their home. So like it's it's also some, something that we have as Israelis, the ability to like to put a mask on ourselves, like detach ourselves from that. And it's super important because if we won't do it, we'll break down mentally and then we'll break down physically as a country. Are you looking forward to going home? Oh my God, yes. I really am. I feel that I need to be there and to support my country. I really feel that. I, I mean... I never was afraid or ashamed of being Jew or Israeli or, or anything. I, I, I'm, I never was. And now I'm even more proud being Jewish, being Israeli. It's like, oh I got Teddy, <laughs> Teddy bear. Um, with, yeah. the, with the crop just on you right now. <laughs> Can that crop me out of the shot? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I really want to be back home and, you know, I tell that to my friends and family and everyone tells me, don't come here. Stay there as long as you can. But the minute I'm going to finish my internship, I'm going back on plane back home. I really hope the war will end by then, but there's a chance that it won't end. And I want to be there and support everyone and, and go visit my friends and my boyfriend in the resort duty and like seeing everyone and and. Just to be with my people, it's like life goes on. People start going back to their daily lives, going back to their jobs, starting doing things that are so-called normal, which is good, but things are not normal yet. What does your boyfriend's schedule look like now? <laughs> Basically, um, 
Because I know that you were saying that yeah. maybe like every week they get like one night at home or yeah. how does that look? Okay, so um, it happens like every two to three weeks. They get like uh, 24 hours um, back home. And is this scheduled in advance? Like he'll <clears throat> no. know? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't schedule in advance. See, like, <laughs> it's like, we don't know. He just went it's home. Like, like, all right, quick, go back for Yeah, like, yeah. It, like, he went home for 24 hours um, a few days ago after not being home for three and a half weeks. And are you not able to speak with him unless he's home? or No, I, I speak with him. Um, I mean, I think that the only, literally only silver lining in this war <laughs> is the fact that I can talk with him even more because he is awake during nights over there, which is the here. That's the only silver lightning. I mean, before the war, we couldn't, we barely talked because because of the time difference. That's the only silver lightning that he's awake during nights there because he's guarding the border. Um, he's in the northern border with uh, Lebanon. In, not on the border. I mean, I can't tell really where he is, um, but he guards there. He's stationed there. Um, so yeah, we were able to talk, but also, there were a lot of times that we talked, we FaceTimed, and then there were bombing, and he just hanged off. He's and like, bye bye, I have to go there bombing. And his sleep schedule and work schedule is that sporadic <clears throat> as well? It's like, okay, sleep for four hours now, you can sleep right now, and then um, wake up. Yeah, I mean, they know, two. I think they know like maybe 24 hours. Like they'll be off twenty four hours in advance. Yeah, they know. Like they, no, they know their they know this their schedule like twenty four hours ahead of them. It's like they know. Okay, I have a shift in like in six hours, so I can rest until then. And sometimes they don't rest between. They they work out. They do training. And is there a center base in a lot of places of Israel where there are bunk beds or people <clears throat> to sleep? Because I remember when um, I was climbing Masada, they were just soldiers sleeping on the base of the mountain. Yeah. Like whenever they can get some sleep. Yeah, they sleep wherever they can. Yeah, it's wild. They just sleep like wherever they can. And shout out to my boyfriend being an organized one. He, la <laughs> he laughs at me because I don't organize the bed. I don't love doing it. I don't know. I'm what, do a messy mean, person. what do you mean organize the like, bed, though? Uh, like make it? Say, make the bed. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I know there's a term for that. That was a fancy term. Organizing the I, bed. I'm not making my bed. You should, though. Apparently, they say it helps your chances in becoming a millionaire. 200% raise in, oh um, my God. It increases if you make your bed. Nice. So my so boyfriend makes his bed. Yeah. So he'll, he'll, uh, nice. he'll, he'll be a millionaire. Yes. He's don't a keeper. <laughs> nice. All right. So he laughs at me that even. During war times, he makes his bed, which is funny because he doesn't really have a bed. He has like a, a sleeping bag. He just sleeps on the floor in sleeping bag and, and he still makes it. And what does food look like? The army has um, a bunch of rations that they'll give out to soldiers at certain um, times. Actually, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that our people are super amazing and so many people donating food sure. and going out and cooking for soldiers in the field. It's amazing. Everyone gives out what they can to this, to this war situation. It's like, okay, I can't fight. I'm not in the age. I'm not, I'm not qualified, whatever the reason is. All right, I'll go help. I'll go out to the supermarket and buy groceries and have it sent out to restaurants that are cooking food and sending it to soldiers on the field. It's like the whole country 
just got together in this effort of helping the soldiers in whatever way it can. So I don't know if there's like a kitchen or something, but they get they get their food from the people mostly. When you were in the army, you were like 20 and 21 years old, right? For those two years? 18 until 20. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's insane. Uh, was there any sort of things in your mind where you're like, okay, we're preparing for the next war? You know, like when people are in the army, maybe they're not so much thinking about, okay, we got to go to war um, in Iraq or Iran. They're kind of just going to the army because they know that it's a good living. They know that they could get a pension at the end of their job. But I, I assume when you're in the Israeli army, you got to have something in the back of your PTSD brain where you're like, yeah. okay, I better pay attention to what this lieutenant is telling me because I might actually need to know this information. Exactly, exactly, yeah. That's that's the set of mind of our army. I mean, it's, right, yeah, it's mandatory, it's by law, fine. But also, we don't have other option. We have to have army. Once you turn 18, you have to join. For yeah, we have to join, but, I, like, I mean that as a country, we have to have an all-citizen an, an all army. Like, everyone needs to be there and be a part of it because we need it. It's important. If it's going to be like, okay, if it's going to be just like professional army, like you have here, as you said before, I feel that something in the Israeli mentality is going to change a lot because we're such a small country. We fought so hard for the 75 years that we, we exist to keep our land and to keep ourselves alive and well that everyone takes a part of it. It doesn't matter if it's a small part, if it's a big part, if, if you fall in a, in a war serving your country or if you just do your, your, your service and then move on with your life, you're a part of it. That's what makes you in some way more Israeli. It's like, it, it's this shared experience that like once you get enrolled, you know that you have to be there, not just because it's the law, not because you have to do it or you'll be sent to jail. No, you have to do it because we, we need to. And again, it's, it's, it's like it's a matter of, of, of culture, of history. It brings us so much closer together. And, like, and also it's, it's, a, it's a really great way to knowing everyone. I mean, I feel that. Maybe I'm exaggerating, but like 80% of people that know each other, like in one way or another, it's like, it's because of the army. It's like, oh, you served with him. Yeah, I was with him in high school. It's like, it's, it's, it's a good way, like knowing people. Cause when you're serving in the army, you're not going to serve where you grew up. You're being sent like somewhere else most of the time. And you live there for an extended period of time. Yeah, it depends. It depends on your on your job. Well, for you, like but when yeah. you were eighteen. Yeah. So I got sent to Haifa, which is like in the northern part of Israel, and I grew up in mid Israel, in the center, in near Tel Aviv. Um, and yeah, I did a service where I uh, stayed in the base. I didn't come home every day. How long were you at the base for? Uh, depends, but most of the time I did like weekend on weekend off like something like that from the ages of 18 to 20 though how often were you home so like once every two weeks something like that for how long ah uh, for two days for a weekend oh my gosh this is like just to 
<laughs> even think about what my life was growing up like i remember i was 12 years old and i went to sleepaway camp for three and a half weeks and i cried almost every day because I was so <laughs> oh i cried sick. a lot right but it, but it was different <laughs> i was playing sports you know what i mean hanging out with chicks so it was a little oh different. my god how dare you, know you I mean? cry <laughs> yeah right well you know i miss my mom that was the only chick i really missed Wow. No, but this has been this has been an incredible episode. I really appreciate you coming on and just oh, yeah, and spreading so your knowledge. You, you you've spoken really um eloquently on the on the topic and while you know there are a lot of people who would say you don't know what you're talking about, it's really hard me sitting on the couch to <laughs> kind of even think about think about everything that you're going through, the people that you know in Israel and uh I just really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure everybody listening and watching appreciates it too. Um, but before we get out of here, out of here, if there's anything um, that we didn't touch on, or maybe something that you'd like to just talk about uh, to the people listening and watching about, like what we should think about Israel, how we should see Israel, just uh, as maybe your average American citizen, or if somebody's watching in Australia, a citizen of the world. How should we see Israel? Oh wow. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, they're leaving the deepest question for last. People need to remember that as long as you're not experience, experiencing what we experience, don't rush to judge us so quick. That's super important. Try to think what would have happened if someone would have bombed your house. Wouldn't you want to defend it? Wouldn't you want to keep your people, your family, your friends safe? That's what we're doing. That's the goal. As I said, IDF, Israel Defense Force. We're just defending ourselves. If it would have been up to us, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't bomb now in Gaza. We wouldn't hurt civilians. You mean this event wouldn't have happened if it weren't yeah, for the terrorist attacks yeah, on October 7th? Yeah, if that would have happened. We wouldn't have done nothing we would not hurt a single soul. We're just doing things in defense of ourselves. We're doing that just to get our hostages back home. We want to see everyone well and healthy and smiling again. And I really hope that once everyone will get back home, this can come to an end. I really hope so. I know it may take a while. But just so you like, think that if the hostages all do come home, it still might not be enough? Yeah, it still might not be enough. I don't know what will happen. I honestly don't know when they'll come home. And also, I really want to say that I know that not all of you are going to, to, to support Israel, and that's fine. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion to support whoever they want. That's true. But just... Read a little bit, do your research, try to, to, to figure out who you're supporting. And it's fine to support the Palestinian people, but don't support Hamas. Don't support terror organization. If you want to support them, that's yours. I can't tell you who to support. But also try to do it in a humane way. And don't rip out hostages, posters, there are humans behind them that just want to go back home. And that's just, that's just playing dirty. Don't do that. Don't get, don't get them involved. They did nothing wrong. They're innocent people that are being kidnapped. Just as you are feeling sorry for 
the poor people in Gaza. You, it, it's okay to feel sorry for the people, the Israeli and Jewish and also not Israeli and Jewish people that are being kept hostages in, in Gaza. Try to be little more, little, a little bit more humane about that. Don't rip off posters. Please, it's, it's, it's the bare minimum that us, I mean, Israelis and Jews abroad, feel that we can do, like hanging out these posters. So don't rip it out. Just like, and, and do your research. That, that's the best, the best advice I can give people. And, and remember that Israel is just defending itself. That, that's the bottom line. Nama, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Guys, this is quite the episode, um, a more serious episode, but I, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed listening and watching, and I hope you're more informed. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace.